Hello again, everyone. Welcome to episode 58 of the Red and White Authority. I'm Art Bregner. Our guest is Ken Holland. In part one of our discussion with Ken Holland, we look at the 2018 NHL Draft. Ken, thanks for doing this. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Nice to be with you, Art. Uh, I guess the first thing that stands out is, is that during your exit day, what I call exit day press conference, uh, I brought up the question about overripe Red Wings, which was a term, and then you started laughing and saying, I got saddled with it because that's what Mike Babcock said. But the position the franchise is in now, uh, and I know it's not an exact science, and I always go back to what you told me about when you win a Stanley Cup, your best players have to be your best players, you got to stay injury-free, you need a little bit of luck, and your goaltender has to stand on his head. Is there a principle now that you follow that's sort of similar to how to win a Stanley Cup when you are in a retooling phrase for this franchise? Well, I think the principle is uh, we're building with, with kids, uh, young players, um, and the decisions that we're making are based upon um, the young players that we're making decisions on at that point in time. So... Um, you know, I've been able to manage a team that's a Stanley Cup contender, and I think you know at, the, at that year-end press conference, somebody asked me the question too about, you know, where I'm going, you know, out scouting and doing right. things differently. You, you know, you you got to manage to your team, and when your team is a Cup contender, uh, you got to be with your team. So when your team is not a Cup contender, not a playoff contender, you're not with your team as much. You're out on the road with your you're with your staff, you're with your people looking towards the future of the franchise. And certainly, as uh, you and I speak today, it's about the future of the franchise. When I, you and I have known each other over 20 years, we've talked many, many times. Uh, the thing, I'm, it sounds weird, but I look at back at all the teams that, you know, that I've covered and all those great Red Wing teams and growing up as a boy in Detroit and how the teams were not very good. I feel almost excited and rejuvenated because I want to see what's next. I think the fan base feels that way, in, in an odd sense. Because you know, you, you're a, you know you're a Stanley Cup winning general manager. I mean, are you kind of reinvigorated with this task that that you're about to take on here? Yeah, I am. I'm looking forward to uh, building the foundation of a of a of a team that that we believe we hope will contend for a. Uh, a Stanley Cup somewhere down the road. It's going to take time, but certainly, you know, uh, I got lots of energy. I got lots of passion. We had a fabulous run for a long time. Feel very, very fortunate to have been a part of that uh, of that run. And like you know, we talked again at the year-end press conference. In my mind, um, when we got when we lost out to Tampa Bay in five games in 2016, I think. Um, for the most part, not, and every decision, for the most part, most of the decisions that we make are about the future of the franchise, about, about building with young people. But, 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 but veterans are a part of that, too, because you need, you, need, you need to compete. You need veteran leadership. You need mentorship. You need role models for those young players in the locker room. So it's not about just throwing 20 young players in the locker room that have, have potential and believe that they're going to wake up in four years and have it all figured out on their own. They need uh, people in that locker room to uh, to guide them, to, to be role models, to be mentors. So, you know, it's, you're trying to build a team, and and but certainly uh, moving younger people onto our roster as we go every year 
is, is uh, critical and that's the plan. Yeah, one thing that was a common theme towards the end of the season was the fact is that as one goal games, that the Red Wings were in a lot, they were in 37 one goal games this year. They lost 14 outright and then 13 either in overtime or in, in a shootout, although your shootout record was great. You know, so 10, 14, and 13 in one goal games, you turn that around a little bit, am I being overly optimistic or is this team closer maybe than their record indicates or is that, again, wishful thinking, you're talking to a lifelong Red Wing fan here, so I'm, I'm trying to always look towards what's, well, what I mean, we grasp? Well, 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 well our, you know, <laughs> along the way, there's different things you're trying to accomplish. You know, like, and I think you're ta talking about trying to qualify for the playoffs. Right, right, exactly. Right. I mean, if you turn some of that around, at least you're not as far back as you, you know, as maybe some people believe, you're at least close enough to be knocking on the door to the playoffs. Again. Yes. Well, I mean, certainly I think that's what you're going to believe, that we're closer than our record would indicate, because what you said, we have 27 one-goal losses. Now, a one-goal loss, you need two goals to win. Right. It's, 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 you know, you're, you you got to get one more to tie, and you got to get one more right. to win. So right. you're not quite as close as you think. We got some, we've got some work to do. But I think, you know, what what I'm happy about is that down the stretch, our guys competed to the finish line. We 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 were, you know, even in that through that, I think we went nine, eight or nine losses in a row in 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 in, uh, in March when we went out to California and into Boston and into Winnipeg and into Minnesota, and we were playing all the elite teams in the national, certainly in the Western Conference mm -hmm. and some of them in the Eastern Conference. Um, we played hard. We played. We there was a lot of one goal losses. Our guys uh, uh, fought to the end. I think that was important for the young players in our organization um, on the team. Excuse me to to understand the importance of competing. Um, and at the same time, those were our playoff games. Those were the those were our playoff games for those young players in our organization to see what it's like to play the top teams in the league on an everyday basis. I mean, that's what a playoff series is. It's you're playing against a team a in the top half of the league every second game for two weeks. And then and then if you're able to get by that round, then you're playing a team in the top quarter. And you're in the final eight. You're, you're playing a team in the top quarter of the league every second day for, for two weeks. So that was an opportunity for the Larkins, the, the, the Athanasius, the Manthas, the Bertuzzi's, those four kids certainly um, to understand how hard the league is, how good you need to be, and the level that you got to play at consistently on an everyday basis in order to be one of those 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 teams. So um, I think I think the, the 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 even though our record isn't very good, we did play hard, and you know as we as we went down the stretch. And we we won some games. We were we were getting offense. It wasn't just like the veterans were, were providing the offense. We were getting Larkin was starting. He scored some goals down the stretch. Right. You know, I think he he had a real good year, and he's 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 improved in so many areas. And certainly, uh, he started to score some uh, a few more goals down the last twenty games of the year. And 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 Mantha was producing some offense. So I think that there was a. Uh, it was a positive finish to a very disappointing season. Even we, though, and I'm not talking record-wise, right. I'm talking about what I think might have been accomplished for the future of, of, of the franchise. We, you know, you, I know going back to the exit interview or, or exit day or, or locker clean-out day, however you want to uh, call it, whatever you want to call it, you were, you, you know, you, you came right out and said, listen, 
we weren't good enough. We just weren't good enough. And somebody asked you about, are you going to have to bottom out? I don't know who it was. And you said, listen, we had like the fifth worst <laughs> record in the league. I mean, how, how much we... more bottoming out do you want us to do? <laughs> yeah, right, right. I mean, you know, well, I guess it's possible. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but you, you kind of said, listen, I, I'm kind of would like to draw that line in the mm-hmm. sand right now and, and, start, mm-hmm. yeah. and start to move up. I mean, I, I, completely, I completely understood that. So um, let me ask you, let's switch, because yeah. we'll, I know we'll yeah. go all over, but let's go to this draft lottery. Yes. Because, because you have an 8.5% chance to win, let's for all intents and purposes, Rasmus Dahlin. And then to be in the top three, it's 26.1% to get a top three pick, which by most accounts could be uh, uh, Evgeny Svechnikov's brother, Andre, or yeah, or or maybe Brady Kachuk or Philip Zadina. I mean, there's some there's some really good players in in this draft. From the way I read it, the first one through five or four through 15 are are going to be announced. And then they're going to wait a little while and then announce three, two, one, meaning that Dan Cleary is going to have to sit in a room for like three hours. Well, the way it works, last year uh, uh, we sent uh, Chris Draper and Sean Horkov. And Horkov was in the back room and I had Draper out front for the show. It's sort of mandatory to have one person there for the, for the, for the, for the TV, TV show. show right. It's optional if you want to have somebody in the back room or not. And in the back room... Whoever goes in to represent the team is it's you're sequestered. They take your cell phone away. Obviously, you can't pass out the information. So, they you walk in. Sean Horkoff said he walks in the back room. He gets a book. Uh, I think with a thousand numbers. Last year we were seven point five. So seventy five numbers out of the thousand are attributed to the Detroit Red Wings. And then he got to watch the balls come up. And then what you know they do it. One ball comes up, and another ball comes up, another ball comes up. And then you look and to see. And then obviously the first team is Jersey. And then last year thirteen went to two. Philadelphia went from thirteen to two, and then eight went to three. Uh, Dallas went, and we we slid back because two teams behind us, uh, Philadelphia and Dallas. So we went from seven back to nine. So. Once that's done in the back room, those people that are in the back room now, they, they, can no, they can't come out of, that, out of that room until the TV show is over because obviously they, they know the information. So they don't have any, any technology to get the information out. They're going to have TV in there. They're, they're going to be able to watch the Stanley Cup playoff game that's, that, that's playing. Then after that... They then, obviously, as we you, you saw Bill Daly right. go from 15 to 14 to 13, and they have the logos of each team, the 15th pick in the draft to somebody and the 14th pick in the draft. And then when they went to 13, Philadelphia wasn't there, so you knew Philadelphia had moved from there to the top three. Once they're not in that slot, you know... Oh, so you know they're a top three you, pick. Yeah, because they're, they're no longer in there. Right, 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 right. okay. They've been... Because, you, you know, we can be one, two, three. We can't be four. We, we can only be five, six, seven, eight. Right. So, so, at the end of, so then this year what they're doing, Art, is last year was one TV show from 15 to 1. Right. This year, my understanding is before the game, they're going from 15 down to 6. six. 15, 14, 13, 12, down to 6. And then they're stopping it. And then the top five, they're going to wait till the next, the first intermission. And then they're going to go 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 on the first intermission. So if you're a Red Wing fan, you definitely want to be part of the first intermission show. You, you sure do. You sure do. <laughs> When you look at this draft, and I don't want to spend too much time on them because I don't want to get everyone's hopes up, but everything you read, and if you go online today and the last couple of days, uh, it's all about Rasmus Dahlin, that he is a generational defenseman. Nick was here a couple of weeks ago for a game, Nick Lidstrom, and he said, listen, he's better than I was at 18, and you know, but Nick's about as modest as they get. So I wasn't surprised by that comment, but is he the quote-unquote 
Connor McDavid of the blue line, that he is that defining, he is that good? He certainly appears to be a, spe a very special player. Um, and I, I would anticipate that uh, whoever, I think everybody's expecting he's going to go number one. But, but saying all that, Art, there is another group of players after that are, that are good players too. They're going to be good players in the NHL, and maybe not immediately, but, but a year from now. So it's a good draft. Um, but again, you're talking about number one. I think everybody in the, in the industry has Dallin probably number one, and I think it'll be a surprise if he's not selected number one. But the next group of players, and even beyond two, three, you know, the next group of five, there's another cluster of probably four, five, six players that are that are really close, and and uh, they're going to be good NHL players too. So it's uh, we're obviously going to be in that. The the latest we can pick is eight. I mean, if three teams go right. by us, we can go from five to eight. So we're picking in the top eight. Uh, obviously, then we got you know we got three picks right at the end of the first, early second between Vegas, Ottawa, and us. So um, you know, I, our scouts are out and about, and uh, it's 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 we think it's a deep draft, and uh, obviously it's an important draft. Then we have three third round picks, so we have lots of we've almost got. Two drafts and one here, Art. You know, mm -hmm. like right. we have two firsts, we have two early seconds, we got three thirds. So uh, obviously, this is a real important. Every draft is important, but this is this is another real important draft for the future of the Detroit Red Wings. When I look at it and, and try to explain it, because people you know don't believe me, this. Well, if they don't believe you, they're not going to believe me. Well, no, no, they'll believe, you know, well, <laughs> yeah, well maybe you yeah. can reinforce it, they'll yeah, believe yeah, both of us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I guess my point being is is that I try to explain this. This is just for the first round only. Yes. When the second round hits, you're, if, if everything just went according we to the way. five. You pick five, right? So this is just yes. for the first yes. round. Yeah. After that, you might be eighth in the first round. From there on out, if you keep your selection, it would be the All, fifth in each round. Yes, every 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 following round, we get we're the fifth pick in the draft. Right, fifth pick in the second round, fifth pick in the third round, fifth pick in the fourth round. This is only the top three picks for the first round of the draft. You, you know, you have been innovative throughout your career. Uh, three on three overtime. There's you're always at, always trying to, you know, say hey maybe tinker the game for the better. Yeah. Do you like this draft lottery system? I mean, I've been in the general managers. I understand why we've got the draft lottery system. It's 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 so that down the stretch, teams are not rewarded for losing, and so it does that. Certainly, the the the, the draft lottery can anything be tweaked to be made a little bit better in life? Yeah, probably. I think most things, and but but I think for the most part. Uh, it's a good system. I think it's a, it's it's could, could it be tweaked a little bit, possibly. But I think at the end of the day, it does what it's supposed to do. So that down the stretch, there's no one, you know, whether whether you pick five or you pick six, it's eight point five, seven point five percent, six point five. You know, it's you're talking one percent, right? Whether, right, right. You know, so down the stretch, down the stretch, I'm going to fall back to what I just had said here five minutes ago. Certainly, as we were down the stretch. It was important that we we win win some games, and that our young players contribute to that, and and we be competitive. You don't want to just all of a sudden at some point in time in the season say, well, there's no incentive to win. Right. Be, 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 you know, so so this system allows you to uh, not you're not re nobody's being rewarded for 
for for losing games. And there's also it, it, it's it's I think it's healthy and, and it's good for an organization down the stretch to try to try to certainly you want to evaluate down the stretch if you're out of it you want to evaluate some young right. players. It's an opportunity. You know you look at Major League Baseball when they get into the month of September. Right. Teams go up, they go up to a 40 man roster and they're playing lots of kids and they're looking at their future. Um, you know our rules are we've got an unlimited you know we we do still have a cap but you've got an un, you don't have you no longer have a uh, a roster limit uh, so it's an opportunity to uh, to 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 watch some kids without revealing anything does Ken Holland will he maybe offer a plan how to tweak the lottery to make it better? <laughs> no, I got, I got, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, <laughs> you're really, I'm good. you're not going to march in and say, "Hey, look, no, no. how about if you get eight? Do you have a plan?" <laughs> no, 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 no ideas. Uh, you looked at this team. It looks like you have some young forwards up and coming. You know, Rasmussen is tearing it up right now, but. Uh, I'm talking about guys on, on the parent club. One thing that you did say is we have to get younger on the blue line. When I looked, I just wrote th something for DetroitRedWings.com, and I looked at like 12 prospects that the Red Wings may draft with their number one pick, regardless of where it is, unless it's Darlene at number one. There seemed to be a quality of good puck-moving young defensemen in this draft. Do you agree with that assessment? And are you, without tipping your hat, I mean – Depending on who's available, I understand that because there's some really good forwards too and guys that can really score some goals. Is defense going to be the prime focus of the team for the draft this year? I mean, I guess what I'm trying to ask you is, is it the old thing, best player available yeah. or need? Well, I think best player available, but certainly decisions that we've made in the past at the draft table have to have some impact on decisions we make in the future. So as an example, when a, you know, if you've drafted six five-foot-ten defensemen in the previous three drafts, you can't just keep drafting five-foot-ten defensemen and wake up and have a, a, you know, a whole organization full of, of, of smallish puck-moving defensemen. Right. You know, when you look at lots of teams, you know, they've got two or three smallish puck-moving defensemen, but then they've got three what I would call trees. You know, <laughs> right, you, you right. got to have some, you need, you, because there are some big forwards in the league, and you got to have some people on your roster that can, that can, that can go against those, to defend those, those big forwards. So, so I would say to you that, um, you know, we've drafted a lot of forwards and, and lots of wingers. You know, certainly Svechnikov's a winger, Bertuzzi's a winger, uh, Athanasiu's a winger, Mantha's a winger. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned Svechna, he's a winger. Right. Uh, Gino, uh, Giovanni Smith is a winger. So uh, among other, among other, but we've, we've got a lot of, we got, we've drafted a lot of wingers, you know. Um, certainly what we've tried to do here over the last couple of years, Chalowski's a first-round pick, Hironik's a second-round pick, Saryarvi's a third-round pick. Last year in the second round, Gustav Lindstrom is a third-round, right. a second-round, early second-round pick. Certainly rebuilding the back end is going to be, uh, part of of, 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 of of critical importance to this to this franchise. If you look at uh, you know now when I've said to you we might draft a winger with our with our first pick. Right. I mean if the if the best player on the board's a winger and we think he can be a thirty goal scorer, we're not going to pass on that because well we got too many wingers. Like right. you're you're still trying to get the best player available because because you're really building the team for three and four years from now versus. It, it, and, and you've got time to, if you've got an excess of one thing, you can move somebody to maybe get, fill out another position, you know, so you, you need their, their assets also. Um, but I, you know, between the, the, 
the two first, the two seconds, and the three thirds. You know, there's seven picks. We got four in the top 36. We got seven in the top 85. Um, feel pretty comfortable in saying that you know two or three of those guys are going to be are going to be defensemen. Um, you know, I you know somewhere along the line you want to keep. You know, we we've got some goalies. We've drafted some goalies. Um, you know, Caden Fulcher now has got. We draft. We we brought him to training camp last year as a as a as a training camp invite. Right. Sign him to a contract. He's a six foot four goaltender. He's playing real well. Hamilton's in the third round, up three games to nothing on Kingston. He's been a big. He's in the net every night. He's turning pro next year. Uh, you know, Pottelberg, Van Pottelberg in the fourth round a couple of years ago played in the Swiss. Uh, World Junior Team last year. He plays now in the Swiss League. Larson, who was a uh, uh, fifth-round pick or fourth or fifth-round pick, played this year in Tri-City of the um, in USHL. Ottawa, USHL. And he's going right. to go get a scholarship to American University. Petrozelliev. So we're you're going to keep drafting. So so certainly we do want to draft defensemen. Um, somewhere you got to you got to be strong down the middle and on the back end. You, you need to be strong down the middle and you got to be strong in defense. Obviously, you got to be strong in goal. And I guess I would say to you, we've used a lot of picks over the last number of years on wingers. So, so we, we we do feel pretty good about the wingers that we got in our organization. But if there's if there's a winger on the board that we think is going to be a, a, a front of the line winger that can score 30 goals and get get 60 70 points. We're obviously going to have to seriously consider taking. You know, years ago, when I was working at Fox Sports Detroit, I uh, I wrote a column that said you could lose half of your defensive core in a matter of two years. Rafalski retired a year earlier than I think anybody thought. Stewart wanted to go back home or go back out west. And then Nick, you almost lost half of your defensive core in a short period of time. Even if you planned for it, as you said, because it's kind of a crapshoot when you're, we're dealing with the 17, 18-year-old kids in the draft. Not that it set the organization back, but was there anything that could have been done? And I've always, always wanted to ask you this question. It just kind of popped into my head. That you could have done knowing full well that your defense was, you know, you were going to be losing some. I mean, Stewart was a second overall pick, I think. Yes, Nick, was. obviously, was a legend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in Rafalski really kind of came out of nowhere, but, you know, we saw what he still had left in the tank when he became a Red Wing after his days in Jersey. Uh, yeah, I, well, I, I, first off, I would say to you, you know, if you go back to 05, the 05 draft, and we took Kindle in the first round. Shortly thereafter, we took Brendan Smith in the first round. So we, we tried to use some draft picks. Yeah, you saw it coming. Yeah, now, obviously, unfortunately, those players played in the league, um, but they weren't of the quality that, you, that you're talking about. You know, I think we... My last recollection was we, we, we had a lot of millions on the board when, when, when there was some free agent defensemen that were available, you know, shortly thereafter, and they chose to go, to go elsewhere, you know, tens, tens of millions of dollars. So, you know, we've been in there swinging, um, but the players that you're talking about, those are special, special right, players. Right. Special, I mean, and, and certainly Brad Stewart, we got him at a state. He was a number two overall. He was the defenseman of the year. And, or maybe three overall, but he's the defenseman of the year in, 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 in Canadian Major Junior Hockey, played on the World Junior Team. And we got him at a time in his career, probably when he was 27, 28, that he wasn't the defenseman that everybody thought he was going to be. And, and, you know, when you're number two or three overall, you're expected you're going to run the power play 
and you're going to do certain things offensively. That's that's the I think that's the perception of most people in the industry. And and when when he became a really good number four for us, he paired up with right. Nick Cronwell. He was a, he was a shot blocker. He was a penalty killer. Uh, he was physical. He caught a few people with their head down uh, in the in the in the run to the Stanley Cup Finals in 08 after we acquired him at the deadline for a second round draft pick. And I think he got to be really comfortable here because of the you know at where he was in his career age wise right. and experience wise. And then Lister Murfalski ran the power play in Cronwell. Those three guys ran the power play, and he didn't have to run the power play. And he 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 could things. He had a different role here, so that's a that, 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 that speaks a little bit about the draft. Sometimes we draft these people and we think they're gonna they're gonna fit this and they're gonna fit that, and and they 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 they're not quite that, you know, the, because you're 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 we're speculating, you know, we're 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 looking at eighteen year old kids and we're looking at, at and and we're trying to speculate and and project as to what they're gonna be in three and four four years and. And uh, so, so certainly the makeup of that defense had three really offensive guys, Rafalski, Lidstrom, and Cronwell in his prime. Right. Cronwell, I think, had 50 points two or three years out of the, in, in, a, in a three- or four-year period. And Stewie was that rock, that big defensive defenseman that uh, made the other team keep keep their head up. So we were trying to draft some people and there were some second round picks in there that, and they just haven't panned out. Some of them have played in the league, but they haven't had the impact that those those players that we're talking about, but, but those people are special. So we're back at it. We're back at it. I mean, we're, we're like I said, we've, we've used some picks here the last couple of years. We're going to use more picks here the next uh, two or three years. And uh, certainly, uh, um, I signed some people to some contracts. I've got to honor those contracts. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to work my way through those contracts. But, but, but at the same time, those contracts on defense, for the most part, other than Dan DeKaiser, they're all one and two year deals, and they're going to provide some time here for the Chalowskis, the Heronics, the Lindstroms, whoever we pick this year, whether it's the guy in the top half, of the first, or in those three picks, at the late first, early second. The, we're going to have we're going to there's a, there's an opportunity here for to transition from older to younger you know i, I always get the uh, you know the criticism over the years of like you just love the red wings too much so you don't you know you, you wear the red and white glasses and you've got the blinders on <laughs> yet you know we always hear contracts you know contracts contracts and yeah. you know and i always say look you can look around the league i think virtually every team in the national hockey league may has a contract where the gm might say eh, okay maybe the term was a little long me but you know but you yeah. can say that for everybody yeah. but when dion Phaneuf was signed that contract with by toronto yes. it was like oh seven years all that money he's never he's been traded twice since yes. then yes i mean so i guess my point being is is that where a team believes that they are, and if they feel that there is an asset that's going to help them on the Detroit Red Wings, I don't think contract really matters that much. Or am I crazy because they're thinking Detroit needs picks, or they're, you know, they're in a retooling phase right now. They might need some picks. We could use so-and-so who's a veteran presence, does everything regardless. Blue line, you know, I mean, is, is, I mean, is, well, is Dion Phaneuf a perfect example of, of, of someone who thinks there was a contract? He's not a bad player. He never kind of lived up to, 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 to the initial hype in Calgary, but then the Canadian press just blew him up because he was a, a Canadian defenseman, and I don't want to get into that, but it's just my own opinion there. But I guess what I'm saying is, is that if Dion Phaneuf can be traded twice with that contract, can't anybody be traded? Yeah, and I, and I would say to you, Art, first off, 
um, if, if you're when you're you're not going to sign every contract to be team friendly. <laughs> like you're like there's an agent out, out there that, that represents that player, and there's 30 other teams, and there's a competition. So as players get to certain stages of their careers. You know, they're 24, 25, 26, and free agency's looming on the, on the horizon. Um, you can let those players go and not go into long-term contracts. And somebody would say, oh, that, you'd be better off. Well, that's, that's after the fact. That's, right. it, it's easy after the fact. Exactly. I can do anything in life better after the fact. <laughs> Everybody trust can, me. right? Yeah, yeah. So, so it's, easier after, it's, easy after the, it's easy after the fact. When you're sitting there and you've got to make a decision at that period in time based upon where your team is, are you trying to win? Are you trying to compete? You're trying to look at the competition. You're, you're seeing what's pushing through the system or not pushing through the system and how far it away. And then we all make decisions on these, on these contracts. And certainly I think when you sign some of these contracts there is an understanding even internally that you know maybe we did a little too much of this a little but but if you didn't somebody else is signing you're losing right. you're losing these players so 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 the reality is you, it's it's hard to think that every contract that you're going to sign that's got any term is going to be a team friendly contract there's going to have to be some player friendly contracts because of of of, of the things that we've uh, that we've talked about so you know I, again have uh, I think if you go to any manager in the league, myself included, would you like to have a mulligan or two here and there? Yeah, probably. I'd love to have a mulligan. But, you know, when, when you go to the Masters golf tournament, they don't give you a mulligan on the first. You know, it's professional golf. This is professional hockey. We don't get mulligans. This isn't a fantasy league where you can, you know, you can drop. And I mean, I'm, I'm not in a fantasy league, but where you, whatever they do. Or you get three moves a week. Yeah, you get all the you drops and play, whatever you do. We don't get all that. We don't get all that. So, so again, have I, you know, would, would, have I done everything perfect? No. I haven't done everything perfect. You know, you're trying to make way more right decisions than you are wrong decisions. But but if you're not, if you're going to sign people, you're going to make trades, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, somewhere along the line, you're going to make a move that doesn't work out the way you want it to work out. Um, I think that's just the reality of, of, of professional sports. That's a look at the 2018 NHL Draft with Red Wing General Manager Ken Holland. Please join us for part two, which will be a look at the Red Wings prospects.